You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 23rd chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Sydney. I'm Nia. And I'm Annie. Humanity cannot help but be fascinated with the macabre. But the expression, may you live in interesting times, is more of a curse than anything else. Interesting times involves plagues, murders, catastrophes, war. And while we're all in interesting times now, it's far better to experience interesting times through the pages of a book where it's safer. Today, our stack is full of books that contain horrible historical events that both fascinate and repulse audiences. They horrify us, yet we cannot stop turning the page to find out what happened next. It's history at its most memorable. Nia, why don't you go ahead and start us off? So my first one is probably one of the most famous horrible moments in history uh, when it comes to environmental stuff. It's Midnight in Chernobyl, The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster. It's by Adam Higginbotham, and it came out in 2019. So it's a relatively new book. Adam is a journalist and he spent over 10 years researching and spent hundreds of hours in interviews to compile this particular book together. And the way that he pulls all of the firsthand accounts into the narrative is really spellbinding. And you start out with the prologue after the disaster. So it isn't leading up to it. It is when you have the people on the ground who are going in to assess just how bad it is that are going, oh yeah, you know, it's probably not a big deal. And that, (laughs) that moment when they are looking at all of their equipment and seeing all of the debris and going, oh my God. Oh no. Because initially when the reactor blew, they didn't think it had blown. There was a Mm. lot of denial there. They thought that something small had happened. They didn't realize that the entire thing had blown up. Well, no and one that wants was to they be kept... responsible for that. No, no one does. And uh, they go into, he, he, a lot of the interviews he goes into goes into that as well. So it's, it's, it really, really draws you in because it's told from all of these different perspectives of people who lived in it. The people who were in Pripyat, the families that were there, not just the people who worked in the plant. You have the engineers, you have the history of how it was built. You know, he, he really dives into the, the mechanics and the engineering that went behind this particular type of reactor and all of the issues with building it. Oh yeah, we have to requisition so much more material than we actually need because we know by the time we get it, so much will have been skimmed off that oh we need my this gosh. particular kind. And it talks a lot about that too. And you're reading it going... Hmm. This is horrifying. This is horrifying. When the people who are building it know that that's what's going to happen and they know they're under budget and they know there's a lot of pressure coming from from Moscow. And it's just reading it from the perspective of people who lived it, who lost loved ones there, who are directly impacted. It is, you're pulled through the story because he he does start in that, that horrifying moment of, oh no, and then jumps back into, let me build you up to where it goes. And then you have the moment where the reactor actually blows up and all of the fallout, both literally and figuratively, and then all of the cover-up and all of the denial and all of, because no one wants to believe this actually happened. And part of that is it's deniability. And part of it is it was such a huge disaster. People couldn't wrap their minds around it. Mm-hmm. Like it can't be that bad, but he, so you might've ha- might already said this, but can you remind me of when this happened? This happened Nin- a- April 26th. 1986 okay 
I knew it and happened it was, in 86. I know you yeah. said the location, but where in the world is that? This is in Ukraine. It's near Russia, right? Yeah. This is part of the old Soviet Union okay. and it is actually in Ukraine. Which, oh, which okay. is Thank you. fascinating Hi. considering that right. the current nuclear plant in yes. Ukraine that was literally running on volunteer people's like trying to keep it running when the Russians were trying to shut it down mm-hmm. because the Ukrainians knew what would happen if the plant were left unattended. Yep. Okay, so wait, hang on. Remind me again why we study history. We don't like repeating it, which I, I gotta tell you, I'm gonna hit that one there on my next is. book, too. There oh, it is! We're gonna hit it on my next but one, But we're too. so good at repeating history. I know! We're I so know it's good. a skill that we have, but... It's like rereading your favorite book. You know what's gonna happen. It's cozy. Oh, this is not cozy. No. So, no. No. yeah. So if, okay. if people are looking into reading why it's such a big deal that we've had radioactive spikes since everything has been going on in Ukraine, because there have been, not just from the active plant, but they've had people who've gone through the area around Chernobyl and they think really? maybe there's some churning up of the radioactive stuff that's been sitting on the ground. I didn't um, know that. It makes sense. Yeah. It uh, should, this is a, but it does. Yeah. This is a good one to start with. It doesn't read like a textbook. So because it's written by a journalist, it has a very strong narrative feel. It's told from the perspective of people. It's got a lot of quotes from the people he interviewed. The audio for this is fantastic. If you are into audio, I the narrator is uh, Jacques Roy. I think that's how you say his name. And he did a phenomenal job. But I do think having a text or ebook copy with you would be helpful because... The audio starts off by reading off all of the names and who they are in all of the entire thing. And it is a huge info dump at the um, beginning. Yeah, I bet. Which, if you're reading it, you can just skip it. And I was, I think, cleaning my car when I was listening to it. So I couldn't just skip through. And I'm like, I'll just mm. wait till it goes through. Because did I have a ever, hard time with names. Did you ever have to go back and reference that list again later? I did. I got the book so I could look at it again. Oh, okay. So um, it's good just to skip it. in the beginning if necessary and reference mm-hmm. back. Yeah, because okay. if I'm reading it, I can always flip to it and look. Right. And with audio, it was a little bit of an info dump, but mm-hmm. um, very, very handy. So, but as someone who's really abysmal with the names without face, especially if there's no face to go with it, I had a hard time tracking that. So, And I'm sure there were a lot of consonants. Yes. With not a lot of vowels in the middle. probably it's a little difficult sometimes (laughs) so um which that part wasn't too hard for me but it's just if you give me too many names Mm -hmm. it's too much so I tried I just I was able to pick it up as the story story I hate to say story but you know as the as the the events unfolded you pick up the names and who they are right um okay so that would be my recommendation for that one my second one speaking of repeating history (laughs) oh god (laughs) Here we go. Going here we go. Light and fluffy, aren't we? This is horrible histories. What were we? What did we expect here? Um, <laughs> I found a way to go I, light and fluffy. I know. I'm so proud of you for it too, because Thank I you. couldn't. <laughs> um, my second book is called Paradise Falls: The True Story of an Environmental Catastrophe mm. by Keith O'Brien. It came out last year. This it started out book. so happy. Started out I know. so happy. Yeah, here, I actually have the print one for this one. Look at how pretty this cover is. Oh, that is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a very eye-catching book. It looks it like one of those old postcards. It does mm-hmm. look like it. It says, like you know, come to postcards. Utah. And then it's got all of the pictures in the middle of the letters. And it's very, you know, road trippy. It is. It, it looks really pretty. It Andy, is a horrifying story. Utah instead of Texas. <laughs> it's because my aunt lives in Utah and she collects those. 
Ah, oh. nice. There's always a reason. So I'll be upfront. I did hesitate using this one. I This is one of my genres I like to read, so I had a few to pick from. But I did hesitate to use this one because of the chemical disaster that is happening in Ohio right now. Yeah. But I also feel like reminding people that these things have happened and they continue to happen and they'll continue to happen if we keep forgetting our history. So, mm. right? Read some um, books. Yeah. So, and I, I had the feeling reading this book that been here before and it was so incredibly frustrating so the the book follows the mother so it, the main like driving force of the narrative are the mothers that live in this picturesque neighborhood in niagara falls it's a which is little, new york right yeah so it's a quaint little neighborhood it's got a cute little elementary school it's got playground and the houses were perfect starter homes for young families. They were affordable. They were quaint. Like if you think cookie cutter houses, this is kind of from that era. Again, this is starting out so great. It is. So, but what happened is this neighborhood was built <laughs> over an old canal called the Love Canal. And the Love Canal was named for the man who originally was trying to put it in. who was convinced it was going to be great threw all of this money at it and it was a failure and it kind of makes you feel like maybe this place wasn't destined to be you know Full developed at all it was oh, yeah okay. because there was just a lot of he they go into the history of how things would start and then fail and start and then fail mm. so you have this canal that's not a complete canal it's like an incomplete ditch someone made a really big long hole <laughs> right and you have a company called the hooker chemical company who is the city's largest employer at the time in the 1940s and 50s who sees this giant hole and goes that looks like a great place to put stuff that maybe we don't want to announce that we are putting stuff really people suck so they were Mm. quietly stashing 20,000 tons of toxic waste oh my goodness that's no to this hole to this ditch into this ditch 20,000 tons get pushed into this failed canal and then oh my goodness they cover it over of course and, like you do and they sold the land to the local mm. school board oh my gosh for no. one one dollar they sold it to the school board for one dollar which you should probably be sitting here going this is a way too good of a deal right seriously that's what i'm land for a dollar with paperwork in the contract with paperwork Oh, get this. There was paperwork oh my that gosh. said if anything happened after this transaction, any adverse effects were not Hooker Chemicals problem because they oh sold it gosh. to the school board for $1. Okay, if I get a paper sent across my invisible desk, because I don't really work, that said, I'm selling you this for a dollar. And by the way, if anything happens, it's not my fault. No. Such a red yeah. flag. Nope, yeah. nope. That right there flag. says something's gonna happen. Yep. So that's what's going on in the background. You have this, like, I don't know if it's this idyllic, leave it to Beaver. Of course, they were doing it out of the kindness of their corporate greedy little hearts. No, they're not. So, mm-hmm. 1977. So we're gonna fast forward a few years. Uh, the neighborhood that was built on top and around this canal started noticing weird chemically smells in their basements. They started smelling no. weird things in their backyards. The oh my god! Stream running behind someone's house started changing colors, like Ooh. and putting off like fumes. Oh great! Some three-eyed yeah. fish. Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking of Blinky when I was reading this. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to kind of lighten it a little. Um, but you then people started to get sick 
and they started pushing for information. Yeah. What's going on? How is yeah. this getting there? And um, I'm going to quote from a description of the book because I tried to reword this and couldn't get it as beautifully written as this. So this is a quote. O'Brien braids together previously unknown stories of Hooker Chemicals deeds, the local newspaper man, scientist, and congressional staffer who tried to help, the city and state officials who didn't, spoiler oh alert, gosh. and the heroic women who stood up to corporate and governmental indifference to save their families and their children. So this is, so, that right there makes me think of Aaron Brockovich yeah or the uh the detroit water flint. issues flint water. my yeah. my mind kept going back to flint yeah and it's so or it, it was so hard reading some of these parts where here you're seeing okay the people on the state level are like we don't want to make this company mad because money like they bring money into the state and they're greasing palms and they're like Shh, it's fine it's fine it's they're just a bunch of uppity housewives right because that's who the driving force behind this was, was the moms who saw their kids Trying getting sick. Trying to save sick. their children. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to so say angry. now they don't save all the kids. And I feel like I have to say that because it was really hard for me to read that part. Oh. So there's a trigger warning but in this book. There is. People die. Okay. People absolutely die. So it's it was an interesting thing for me to read too, because this was happening when Jimmy Carter was president. And Jimmy Carter was also the president like when three mile island happened it was around the same time mm. and it's kind of horrifying to see just how similarly these were mishandled mm. and then because i've been watching a documentary on that recently as well because i go on these i go on these kicks um we, we all do rabbit it's holes. Fine. yeah we all go down the rabbit holes yep we're all mad here we are <laughs> <laughs> we really are so it's a fascinating read. He pulls in a lot of information. There's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of documents. There's it's back. So this up. is not an audiobook. It is on audio. And I did listen to it on audio and it was you? really awesome to listen to on audio. Yeah. I got the book at a book lovers event last fall, which is why I have oh, the print copy. Mm. But I did listen to it on audio. It was delightful to listen to on audio from a narrative perspective, not from a story mm -hmm. perspective. But I do know listening to it, I kept hearing, like I said, I kept hearing, okay, this is similar to what happened with Three Mile Island, where we almost had our own nuclear disaster before Chernobyl, of the denial and like the our problem from Chernobyl, of what happened in Flint, of what happened in DC before Flint, because Flint was not the first time that has happened. Mm -hmm. That happened in DC too. Because history. Um, yep. Michael. So yeah. hearing what has happened in Ohio, after having had this this back where this book recent really didn't surprise me that much mm. i want to say i was surprised but the whole lack of response it it didn't because we're really horrible with our history and it was just like okay i would like to think we will do better but someday we, we should will. we need to someday indifference lives on yep so and if it doesn't affect me then it doesn't matter and that's the problem yep that's yep that's that's the problem so those were my two horrible history choices us <laughs> sydney what do you have so yours actually leads in really well to my first one which i know you actually have some strong feelings on as well but my first pick which like you mia i had a lot to pick from and i had a hard time picking but i narrowed it down the first <laughs> book is radium girls the dark story of america's shining women by kate moore 
came out in 2016. It's another great audio one. It is. It's a fantastic yeah. audiobook. I got halfway through and then finished it. Finished it. That's okay. I think we're it's gonna talk about I, it. I had a baby. That'll do it. And I, I that it was right when COVID hit, and so I had a baby, and everything was up in the air. And I don't know about you guys, but I didn't read a lot at the beginning no. of COVID. I had a baby you know, too, so that was dramatic yeah, things had, were happening, and it was hard. Pandemic babies. It was hard yeah. to focus I did on not. something, so I never so. finished the book. So please tell me about it. This is a book I devoured the audiobook in two days. Not because I had a lot of time, wow. just because it was incredible. It and was I couldn't really put good. it down. I love this book. The cover is really cool, too. I don't the have a copy of it. The cover is beautiful. But the cover is gorgeous. You have Radium, which Marie Curie discovers. And it becomes the latest craze. And it's in everything. They put it in beauty products to give you that glow that women are always looking for. That beautiful you know glow that comes from the inside uh, they put it in tonic water they put it in all of these different products they also put it on all the dials that they put into planes that would glow in the dark to help american pilots during the first world war but someone so had we're to pay- looking at 19 teens yeah 19 teens into the 1920s okay mm-hmm. okay like late 19 teens okay so someone had to paint those numbers on the dials because back then factories were full of people and not machines and they hired women for those jobs because women are daintier and they are more dexterous dexterous detail focused available <laughs> it was during I mean, the war it was during the war yeah i mean they were there they needed jobs they, were, they had families they to support and these places that had you do dials paid you so much more than women could get paid in any other place Mm-hmm. they were getting paid two cents a dial which if you got fast enough which most of the girls did you could make three times as much as you could as a secretary in any other location which is all you really could do so it was a highly sought after job and they were constantly was... turning girls away mm-hmm. but every girl that was hired to paint on these dials had to paint the numbers really really small so they were told to dip into the paint which is full of radium and then they said it was dip lip where you put it through your your lips and twirled the brush so that you get the fine point on your paintbrush and then paint the numbers. So all of these women were literally eating radium paint for hours a day. They were playing with it too. Yeah, because, because they were they told it was glowing. Even eating non-toxic things that much is bad for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then but when you're were... eating super toxic and you're being told that it's making you beautiful. They were told that it was totally healthy. And the supervisor that was a female that would walk around the floor to prove her point would take a spatula, dip it into the paint and then lick the spatula <gasps> just to prove her point. Like Again, even just regular <laughs> paint that's like Crayola not supposed to do anything but turn my poop colors. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> But so these women were being lied to and it actually came out later on that the people higher up in the company knew it was making people sick and were Mm. intentionally trying to hide the fact that they knew it was a problem because they didn't want to shut down and lose their profits. Plus it was so delayed. It was a lot easier for them to be like, well, what else have you been doing? What else have you been doing? It's just because you're from oh. insert country here you're just yeah. an immigrant person they, so clearly that's the problem it's they not tried so poisoning the, you they tried the, to blame it on syphilis and then uh-huh. and basically try to besmirch the woman's good name after she was dead cool yeah yeah 
It, I mean, just the amount of things that they did, they would close down one company and then they would start up another company with a new name that was ever like everyone was the exact same just to get out of being investigated. Like it was awful. I've worked yeah. for places like that. <laughs> it is not a great place to be. Just to no. uh, throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't fix No things. one took these. These women kept going in with jaw pain. And as soon as the dentist would be like, well, it's these teeth that are the problem. We have to pull these teeth. As soon as they started pulling teeth from the jaw, it accelerated the deterioration. And so by trying to fix it, it actually made it worse. Mm. And all of these women kept coming in going, you know, like something's making me sick and no one was taking any of their health claims seriously. And then a millionaire playboy who had been religiously drinking radium tonic water very publicly <laughs> He got sick and dropped Bad idea. And And everyone was like, oh, suddenly, like, this is a problem. But they still didn't want to take these girls' cases seriously. And they ended up having to sue for trying to get medical bills taken care of. And it goes through the whole lawsuit and all of the things that they fought for. And you're watching these women slowly get sicker and sicker. And you're starting to see some of them die. And you're watching how hard they're fighting when... One of the women couldn't even walk. She couldn't even stand up. So they brought the courtroom into her living room and she laid on the couch and testified. Oh my God. Because she couldn't make it to the courtroom. <gasps> because and they were are... and they were having children at this time too. And the kids yeah. miraculously were fine. Because these girls were in their teens and twenties. Like they were yeah. really they were young, they were right? young women. They yeah. Were so it's affecting women. their bones, their mouths, potentially their reproductive. I guess not their children, so... but Yes. So what it does is it, your body reads it the same as calcium. Oh my gosh. So what would happen is it would replace the bone stuff. Any, any of the calcium in your bones Mm. would get replaced by radium. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why it was so bad is it, it would eat. Oh my gosh. Your body was like, oh, that maps, you know, the blueprints for this say calcium. Yeah. And because it was in their mouths all the time, that was why it started here because they're constantly dipping stuff in the I knew it was deteriorating deteriorative i don't know i know what yeah. you're trying to say but i don't I knew know. that it had deteriorating properties but i didn't realize mm-hmm. that the body would recognize it as this positive thing and then yep. absorb yep. it as calcium that's awful that's all right but this book continues to keep you on your toes the mm-hmm. whole way through these women are not only incredible fighters but they're also the reason that the united states has osha now for worker safety yes osha was created because of what the what happened to these women and then i hate that that had to that this catastrophe horribleness had to happen but i'm very thankful for osha yeah this but is you... the first catastrophe to inspire a government agency either. <laughs> i know i know uh, well it's horrible histories not just yep. history histories. we're doing horrible histories yep mm-hmm. these uh these buildings where the dials had been painted ended up getting torn down to put up for new building projects and they were like well you know waste not what not right oh my gosh no that's how we get ditches full of stuff yes we've discussed yeah. this <laughs> what could possibly go wrong this is oh, this is also as late as the 70s so we're oh, in the same time frame see i don't it, they started I'd like to uh, think it was willful ignorance or just ignorance not yeah. willful ignorance they started in the in the in the 40s and 50s and then i think is is as like as late as the 70s they were using the rubble and they were redistributing it 
different no. places around town that needed they were redistributing oh because they didn't realize that it had gotten into the the concrete they didn't realize so it that wasn't it just the, the one building. area that's affected now it's everyone that took it affected it started <gasps> affecting the entire towns like all oh of the school gosh. children were getting sick because the rubble had been put into their playgrounds in the schools and it was in multiple towns <gasps> it, 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 it oh yeah they just pick up and move such an incredible story and do not watch I need the to film. finish the book. I need to. There's a yeah, film. You need to Don't. finish the book. I didn't know there, there was is a film. A film. Oh, I didn't it know that. It is the worst, genuinely <laughs> worst representation of a book that, that has ever been claimed to be based on a book. It literally <laughs> shares only wow. the name. They literally. Really? They focus on something that had nothing to do with the girl's actual story. They got rid That's of a bunch disappointing. of disappointing. They got rid of a bunch of characters, all of the things that made the story interesting. And then they try to get this girl to like keep going to communist like parties to like try to get her to talk about communism and I'm like, "What? What, what did what book did they read? Their own." Um, so... because some filmmakers are idiots and they ruin yes. everything good. So Yikes. do okay. not watch the film. Don't watch the film. No, it, has, if, it, it has Joey King, and so it looks like it's gonna be this like great film, and it's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, okay. It's terrible. If you do want to do a video, I believe I'm positive PBS did a documentary. Oh, that I'll I'm, watch. I'm positive because P- I think I've watched it. PBS I, usually does I'm a good job. interested in that. And yeah. we all know PBS does a good job. So yeah. I'm yeah. I am almost positive PBS did a documentary on this. Okay. Again, I think I watched it in my my postpartum. Like you, you can't. You're not doing much with the newborn phase. So I think that was when I watched it. So that's why I'm hesitating to say yes, it exists. But I'm positive that PBS (laughs) did. Because it might not. (laughs) I'm I'm positive PBS did something on it because I think that's why I read it. Is because maybe that was what it was. I don't know. I moved when I read the book. So Mm -hmm. who knows? That was when I did my cross country move. So I don't know. But yeah, anyway, I, yeah. PBS Good to know. Is I great. did not know. Didn't Don't know they watch. did a movie. Don't watch Yeesh. the movie. All right. All right then. All right. Write that down. So my second book is called Voices from Stalingrad: Firsthand Accounts from the World World War II's Cruelest Battle. It's by Jonathan Bastable in 2019. Ooh. This version is from 2019. It looks like there was an original version that came out in 2007, and I found another like another cover of another version of the book that came out in between the two i think this is the third version of the book that he's published not that the book says it it doesn't say anything about it but Mm -hmm. it just has you know a red and black cover because russia this author has done multiple books that are first-hand accounts of different events from wars or he did first-hand accounts on d-day and a bunch of other war-based books but this one was also really hard to read (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Uh, because it's a bunch of short stories and I can't just give you like, it talked about so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm just going to read the back of the book because I think it does a better job than me trying to tell you little stories and bits and pieces here and there. Stalingrad was one of the most brutal and intense battles of World War II. At the end of the battle, the city had been destroyed and the remnants of the German Sixth Army surrendered to the Soviets in a decisive turning point of the war. In this new paperback edition of Voices from Stalingrad, author Jonathan Bastable has woven together first-hand accounts of German and Soviet soldiers who fought in the battle, as well as the testimony of Russian civilians caught up in the war on their streets and Western onlookers. These compelling accounts from over 100 sources include never-before-published material from German and KGB archives, 
accompanied by rare photographs of the battle to present a fascinating narrative of the largest battle of, of World War II from the perspective of ordinary soldiers and civilians. That sounds like it would be really heartbreaking. It was really hard to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those, like, you're glad you read it and you, you're you glad that you got to hear that person's story and allow that to, like, live on mm-hmm. so that it that story doesn't just die with them. But my grandfather was in a concentration camp in World War II for speaking out against Hitler. And so that it just, even though this took place in Russia, like it just hit really close to home. I believe that. It's, it, it, it sounds like it's okay. We talk about war heroes and we talk about groups of people, but we don't always talk about the individual people. And I think when we, we lose that, we lose the, and the innocent bystanders. Yeah, the ones that I, you know, we were just here trying to exist and, you know, we had no, we had no dog in this fight and yet here we are and now we have to do something about it, which is pretty, I think it's pretty poignant for what's going on right now. I I was thinking too, which is why I read it. What I was thinking too is that with, there are how many stories? 12? Just voices from? Uh, It's over a hundred sources is what I was talking about. Okay. So there's nine chapters. I imagine that the stories aren't very long. And with that, there isn't an epilogue. There isn't an introduction. There isn't a lot of space for the conversation to happen. And I know for me, it's a lot harder to hear the paragraph instead of the whole essay. Because you're just thrown into it. You're just thrown into it and you get their nugget and then there's no resolution. There's no conclusion. There's no nothing. It's just here's what happened. And now the next person hears what happened and just rapid fire. And that is yeah. super heartbreaking. That's brutal. I mean, but I, I think that's a yeah. good format for what they're trying it to do. It is a good though. format. Yeah. yeah. The author has And it, it's very important you, too. Yes. The author has tried to weave a narrative. So there is there is very definitively an arc as he oh, walks you through okay. the battle that's kind of nice and yeah. you're getting you're getting the the perspectives that tell that talk you through the arc okay so so is it told with a timeline yeah like well, how, what's the structure of the stories are they just random or so does it they're follow not, they're not broken down by stories they're broken down by chapters where it's okay. just like walking you through the the different parts of the of the battle okay and the stories are built together mm-hmm. to weave the story of the battle. Okay. So he he does try to give a bit of a conclusion. He does try to give some resolution, but there's not a lot of resolution you can have to a right. war that was basically pointless. Yeah. There's there's not always resolution. There just isn't. And that's yeah. life. Yeah. So anyway. that would be an interesting read. Yeah. But not so, one that it's can it's, be taken it's a heavy you know, one. on an airplane. Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy one. Yeah definitely like, how long did it take you to read because i knew i was reading it for this mm. because i had intentionally bought it to read for this podcast mm-hmm. i got through a bit quicker a bit more quickly than i normally would have taken because i tend to read a few books at a time and i go back and forth mm-hmm. based on my mood mm-hmm. and i didn't let myself read based on mood because i was just trying to get done right oh so, which probably made this one a lot harder because yeah. i didn't have that break yeah so I'm uh, I'm looking at some really benign books on the creation of paper right now. Yeah, we need some fluffy, <laughs> fluffy palette cleansers I need, after this I need one. Some, I need some fluffy books. Yeah. So, yeah. Annie, what about you? Okay, so on that note, I don't read a lot of historical books. I just don't. I don't know. I don't 
really watch the news. And now that I'm not working in public schools, I don't know what's happening in the world. So when I needed to find books for this, I thought, I don't read a lot of history books, especially not horrible ones. So I don't really know what to do. (laughs) And then I remembered, oh my gosh, I have a whole series called Horrible Histories in my closet. (laughs) Ta-da! It just happened. It just happened. And then while I was trying to figure out my second book, I thought, okay, I do read more about horrible historical events than I think I do. I just needed to recategorize. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, we I just start thinking of one or two, the rest start following. Suit. Right. That's what it was. I started thinking and thought, oh, well, no, I read some books about the Bosnian War. I could talk about that. Oh, I read that graphic novel about that war. Oh, I... anyway. So the first book that I chose is a series of, oh, gosh, 23 original books, spinoff books, other spinoff series. There's a whole lot of them. And they're called Horrible Histories by Terry Deary. The series started publication in 1993, and the original series went through 2000. The spinoff series went a little bit more. They're not, there are no new books coming out. It's been done for a little while. Okay. So it's, it's a complete set now. Sure. It's a complete set. Okay. I have no idea how many books there are. It's like the Magic Treehouse series that you can go to the library and say, oh, oh, wait, hang on. Now there are ones about knights and dragons. Oh, wait, hang on. Now there are these ones. So it's one of those series. So my sister gave me uh, several of her books uh, for my son to look through because he's 11 and he got really into the who was, where was, what was books. Oh, and this was fantastic good... books too. Yeah. So this was a good transition for him. So the ones that I grabbed off the shelf were the Rotten Romans and the Cutthroat Celts. So I'm going to hold them up for you guys so you can see. Ooh, The oh, Rotten Romans. Whimsical. I know. They're just super fun. And then the cutthroat Celts. Okay. <laughs> and remember, these came out in the early 90s. So they look like it. <laughs> right. So for those of you that are, you know, on the screen with me right now, they are formatted kind of like the Dogman books where you have a lot of text and then you have some pictures and some comics and some recipes, some other things thrown in there. The Celts one kind of reminds me of a Farside comic. That's exactly yes. what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. So I can see the visual. That. That's the visual. Yeah, I'll I can see and that. There, yeah. We'll, I'll pick that I, one for the social media for our for our your book. I'll do the yeah. kids one. Yeah, that's so. a good one. And on the front of it, it's got a comic that says, "We all make little sacrifices, and they're about to kill someone." And then it's on the sacrifice. Rotten Romans, it says, "You first, Brutus," and there's a giant trying to kill them. Anyway, these have several illustrators because it is a long series. But the illustrators tend to have the same artistic style throughout the whole series, which is nice. Scholastic picked up the publication at some point, but they were originally published in the UK. And that's where I remember getting them from. And then at some point they came over to the United States. Okay. I don't know when. So some of, if you go to buy these, some of them are the UK format. Some of them are the US format. It doesn't really change that much though. So the books are full of pictures and text. There are recipes and jokes. Uh, I wanted to read the chapter headlines for you guys. And I was going to read it from the Cutthroat Celts, but they're all very similar. So the chapter headlines are the introduction, timeline, getting to know the Cutthroat Celts, lousy legends, batty beliefs, weird war, woe for women, crazy Celt life, crime and punishment, weird words, and epilogue. Nice. And it's the same in the Rotten Romans. You have introduction, terrible timelines, the rotten Roman army, the cutthroat Celts, the battling Britons, rotten Roman leaders, rotten Roman childhood, 
Rotten Roman fun and games. And there actually are some games you can follow. Rotten Roman food, complete with the recipe. And they're nasty. My sister tried to make some of them. Oh, dear. <laughs> Wasn't great. Rotten it Roman religions. Rotten. Yeah. Rotten Roman facts. And then the epilogue. So if I go to one of the recipes in the Rotten Roman book, these have held up super well. It's my sister for you. Uh, there are food facts. And it says snails fattened in milk were popular. Take your live snails out of their shells and put them in a shallow dish of milk and salt for a day. They love milk, so they slurp it down. But the salt just makes the stupid creatures thirstier. Then they're placed in plain milk for a few days. They drink and drink till they become too fat to get back in their shells. Fried in oil and served and covered in wine sauce, they are delicious. Even fouler, fatten up the snails on raw flesh to add to their flavor. I'm so grossed out right now. Right? Wow. <laughs> I just... Uh-huh. <sighs> I, There's I a <laughs> menu of what they would eat every day. There's remedies on how to, you know, fix your things. And then there are little comics to go with everything. Of course. I mean, these sound like great right? books. Oh, they're super fantastic. Um, horrifying. Absolutely horrifying yeah. content. Yes. But, um, yes, you know, history. That, that's history for you. Well, in the beginning, it starts out with... Uh, history is horrible, especially in school. Have you noticed how teachers never tell you anything? They ask and some they ask you something and expect you to know. They use funny new words and ask you to guess what they mean. How on earth can they expect that? And they use posh words to describe the really horrible bits of history. Then, just when there's a chance that history lessons may be getting interesting, the teacher stops and refuses to tell you the gory details. Were the Celts really cutthroats and why? What did they do with all those heads? What you need is a book that tells you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What you need is a horrible history of the cutthroat Celts. Well, you lucky person, you just happen to have found one. Nice. Yeah. Right. And they all start out that way with, you Snark. learned this in school, let's learn some more and don't tell anyone about it. The things they didn't teach you in school. Right. And that's what it yeah. is. Uh, there was a second series that came out about science which didn't do as well mm -hmm. because it's just not as I mean, secretive. It's just not. Yeah. So I tried to read those ones. It didn't go very well. <laughs> but some of the other titles are The Angry Aztecs, The Terrible Tutors, The Slimy Stewarts, The Vile Victorians, The Dark Knights and Dingy Castles, The Groovy Greeks, The Awesome Egyptians. So it's a really fun series, really good for kids, really good to you know fill your head with facts if you ever need them Much use alliteration reading. on the egyptian one and i'm kind of irritated it broke the pattern i know did it really yeah because yeah, it was in the awesome egyptians, oh the awesome egyptians you're right all the other ones are mm -hmm. well that's frustrating well that's then, it. there's Throw also the bloody scotland away. okay well what about bloody scotland that does that make you feel better no cruel kings and mean queens i mean the alliteration still has the ca sound yeah sorry sorry we'll we'll send an email Talk to <laughs> so that was my it. first that was my first one that i chose and okay. my son reads these now and they they came out what A almost 20 years ago? ago yeah and they're still relevant because history doesn't change we find out new things but it doesn't really change so these facts are still relevant then the Ooh. second book that i chose was drowned uh drowned city hurricane katrina and new orleans and it was published in 2015 this is a graphic novel um, written by Don Brown, and it 
is a portrayal of the events on August 29th, 2005, when the hurricane first hit and the days after. And as I was thinking about this while we're talking, I thought about what Nia said in the beginning, where there are some places where things really shouldn't be built. Yeah, like under sea level. Right, Mm -hmm. where projects have failed. Someone has rebuilt. It's failed again. We've rebuilt. It's failed again. We've rebuilt. And I'm not from Louisiana. I'm not from New Orleans. But the same thing has happened in Galveston. And Houston. And Houston. And people are just waiting for San Francisco to fall under the water. There are areas where it just, nature is telling us. And it will tell us again. Yeah. So I read this for grad school because I needed to read a nonfiction graphic novel. And this one was available. The images and the text explore the devastation that the city of New Orleans faced and the effort that was taken to bring it back from the destruction. So it follows all of the events and there's a timeline at the top of the page. It follows the comic book format. So at the top of the page, it has the date and the time and then what was going on. And then the next page will have the date and the time a little bit later and what was going on. And what I really liked about this book was how the graphics were done. Uh, From what I understand... Hurricane Katrina was super chaotic. I know people that have, living in Texas, I know people that have relocated out here and still remember what happened. And the way that the art is done in the book is that the pictures are realistic, but very blurry. And it really adds to the chaos that was really going on, that they didn't really know what to do because it came so fast. And they didn't really know who to save because there were so many people to save and they didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. And it was really, really well done to feel that chaos. And so I'm glad that I read it in graphic novel form because it also brought in the visual instead of just the text, which was really Mm -hmm. nice. It sounds like it was a really interesting read. So it, it was, I still don't understand why that happened. I mean, I do, I understand why nature does what it does. Don't get me wrong. I get that. I think, but yeah, from, from what I understand, it wasn't necessarily the hurricane itself because hurricanes right. hit there it yes, has they do. to do with there was some major infrastructure issues that were not yes. addressed and you had yes. a lot of storm surge on top of everything else yes. and you had all of it hit at once because my understanding was the mm-hmm. hurricane came and it did its thing like hurricanes do right but then there was more. seemed like everything was okay mm-hmm. and then it very much wasn't and it was everywhere yes right it's Yes. And I think that was that was part of the chaos issue is, oh, we weren't, this has never happened before. Right. We know how right. to deal with hurricanes, but we don't know how to deal with the floods and the rains mm-hmm. and the roads. And the levee failures. Down. Yeah. 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 And it went over all of that. And just like in your book, it talked about what people tried to do, talked about what people failed to do. Mm-hmm. It brought in what was going on in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And how the government was or wasn't trying to help. And how they just really, a lot of people didn't understand what was going on. Right. Because it hadn't happened before. Yeah. And it was it was a really good read. It was really good for me because, again, I know people who have had to relocate because of it. And it really helped me to understand the, the after effects of what had happened. And why people are still talking about it and why it was such a big deal. Because, you know, Hurricane Katrina was in 2005. So I was in high school. I can't believe it's been that long. Right? It's it been that long, like it. but we're still talking about it. Yeah. Right. Which hopefully means we're, we learned from it enough. Yeah, hopefully. 
but I I see Houston and I'm like, Ooh, I know. I don't know. I know. So. We drive down to Galveston every once in a while. And I think I would love to own one of these homes, but I know what's going to happen. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. It's not if. Yeah. It's not if it's when. And I have family. And once upon a time I lived, you know, in the ring of fire. That's what it's called, isn't it? All the volcanoes and earthquakes and things yeah. happen. Yeah. Okay. And I just go, it's just a matter of when. It's not if it's when. When are these things going to erupt again? When are the earthquakes going to come back? When? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. are we ready for them? Because it's one no. thing to... Okay, the answer is no. <laughs> right. It's one thing to be able to handle it. And it's a completely other thing to prepare for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we do an okay job handling, but we do a terrible job preparing. Eh, it's a very true statement. Yeah. I don't, I don't I'm know a mom. Handling. I do the same thing. I'm really bad at preparing. I'm okay at handling. <laughs> I, 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 I probably over-prepare in a lot of situations. So if I'm prepared, I feel like I can handle stuff. But um, I, I don't know if it's just my personality where I'm like, okay, I have plan A and B and C mm-hmm. and D. And I've got the startings of plan E. But of course, what happens is J. Oh, of course. Yeah. So. Of course. And then it comes back to E, but J already happened. Mm-hmm. So everything that you had prepared for off. with E, it's just all gone. It's just all gone. Yep. It's all gone. So those are the books I chose. Good. History is going right. to come back. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it always does. It always does. All right, friends. It's now time for our triviality segment. Hooray. Uh, I know nothing about history. <laughs> we repeat it. Ta-da. Yeah. Well, I do know that. I know them. <laughs> so I guess I know about history. I just don't know all the parts of history i just know the most recent part yeah Let's see how my brain goes i bet you guys so, will be fine so where mm-hmm. are we at right now nia uh so right now you are currently at 22 but since you are moderating you will stay at 22 fantastic and annie and i are tied at 12 <laughs> so oh my gosh we are we are on equal footing right now <laughs> we're just digging that right. hole we're just digging the hole fantastic well you get two points if you can call out an answer without needing options but I do have options ready, and you can still get a point if I read out the options. Okay. You ready for this? Sure. Sure. All right. Let's get <laughs> here. We go. Let's get trivial. All right. Question number one: When the Tudors and Plantagenets were battling for control of England, what? Was Why their didn't I pull down that called? book? Why did I pull down the other ones and not the Tudor book? Sorry. <laughs> what was their bloody feud called? The War of the Roses. Ding 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 ding. I can't believe I knew that. <laughs> It sounds familiar. I don't know why, but it sounds familiar. I think it was an answer on Jeopardy the other day. Oh, I watched Jeopardy. But that's cool. Good job, Nia. Nice done, Nia. The other options that I made were the War of the Crowns, the War of the Queens, and Hatfields Hatfields versus McCoy's the prequel. No. (laughs) No. See, I would have known it was the War of the Roses. I would have known. All right. Nia, add two points to your tally. Here's question number two. When the Allied forces landed at Normandy, France, it signaled the turning of the tides in the war. We call it D-Day. What does the D in D-Day stand for? Oh my gosh. I used to know this. I can tell you what it doesn't stand for. Nope. It doesn't stand for Dove. I, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Annie, but I need options because my brain is Shoot, just I used to mute. know this. I used to know. Okay, go. All right, are you ready? Yeah. All right. Is it A- Debarkation, B, democracy, C, determination, or D, day. Isn't it A? 
I'm going with B. A. I'm going to go with B. I think. You're both wrong. Is it day? C? It's day. <laughs> is it day? It's day? D-Day is day-day? D-Day. D-Day just is. Uh, so they used to oh just use God. the. As a, as the they would say D day H hour, they it was just the the term for if they had a day or a time that was unspecified because it was a secret mission. Oh, All okay. right then, I knew it was a democracy. <laughs> Gotta give me points for that. <laughs> okay. Um, some people do argue that it stands for debarkation, but they're all French. And they're not on this See, show. So. I thought it was a French thing. That's why I said A. Because I, th- I thought, okay, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with French. So but... neither of us got that point. No, we did not. <laughs> well, Annie gets one point because she did guess day eventually. Okay. We'll, we'll get one for me. Point. Just because I was fast. All right. So let's talk King Tut for question three. Oh my gosh. Okay. He was crippled from incest. Tossed from All chariot during a race. Possibly murdered. I. How old was King Tut when he died? I was 14. just going to guess an age. <laughs> 12. You're both wrong. 9. 17. 10? <laughs> Don't I just start start throwing out numbers? Would you like some numbers? Okay, you I know, know plenty of numbers. <laughs> I know he was young. You have young. thrown out a lot of numbers. They're all just wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should give us some numbers. Okay. okay. Is it A, 14, B, 16, C, 19, or D, 21? 16. 14. No. Did you say 19? I did. 19 is correct. All right. We were all over the place on that one. It's like, he's a teenager. (laughs) That narrows it down. When I said nine, I thought, wait, did he fall their children? I think that's when he got married is nine. Nine? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. I know. Mm. Well, I'm just thinking about the maturity level of my children. No. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. So just, that yeah. puts you both at 14, right? So you're both still tied. Yep. We're still hey! tied. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work our way out of here together. I love Slowly it. but surely, we're coming for you. Together. <laughs> I love it. You guys, you guys can make it. I believe in you. We can. We can. So what are we each reading right now or picking up next? Nia? Uh, I am still working on the Gunkle, like I was last time. Okay. It's, the narrator is delightful. It is the author. So cool. I'm pretty stoked about that. And I like the narrative voice. I just have had attention span issues. So I'm still working on it. I do need <laughs> to actually get it done. So it's great for the you you'll know, get first it chapter done. or first chapter I've read. But yeah, you'll get, you'll get there. So that, that's what I'm currently doing. What about you, Sydney? All right. So um, like I said, I usually read a few books at a time because I base it on my mood. So the first book that I'm reading right now is The Life of Crime by Martin Edwards. It is a history of crime fiction writing. Cool. So it's a history of the genre. And yeah. it is it is really fun. I'm not going to lie. It is I've been really enjoying it. I've been listening to it before I go to sleep. And that's okay. been really, the narrator is British and it's been a really nice wind down. Cool. When was yes. this one published? Is uh, it recent? It's super recent. Okay. Let me, oh, let me check. Fine. I was wondering how recent through the genre it went or if this was 1970s crime. 
Um, but it comes all the way up. It's came out in 2022. Okay. Super recent. Like, yeah. Super recent. May 2022. So. Oh, wow. He, oh, that's uh, cool. He goes all the way back to the origins of crime fiction mm-hmm. and to those who predate Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is notably the most famous of the original crime writers. Right. But he gets everything that leads up to that point, And that's where I'm at right now is the Sherlock Holmes stories. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds it's, really good. I'll have to add that a, to my list. It's a thick book. Oh, I'm sure. So make sure that you are interested in a compendium when you decide <laughs> to read it. Okay. That's thick with um, lots of C's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> lots of C's. It's a 3C book. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm also listening to Spare by Prince Harry. It finally came in on the the Audible v- version of the library app. So I'm How's listening that to that going? one. I like listening to him tell his story. Yeah. And I'm finding it really interesting uh, the way that he, so I'm in, I'm at the part where he's talking about just after his mother died. And it's really interesting that he can't say the words, my mother died. Mm. He says, um, when my mother disappeared, when my mother left, that is he doesn't, interesting. he doesn't use the word died. And he talks about how he never showed any emotion during that whole time because he was convinced that she had gone into hiding and that she had faked her death to get away from the public media oh because of how badly they chased her and they they talk well, that's heartbreaking they never let him or his brother see the body they gave her oh, they gave dear. each of them a lock of her hair and they were like we came back from paris here's a lock of her hair for you to keep and they were like you know this is enough and so he saw her closed casket and he had a lock of her hair he never saw her dead so in his mind Mm-hmm. She, wasn't. she wasn't dead okay so oh that was and granted i'm not very far into it his chapters are really 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 short mm, interesting but it's really interesting hearing him tell his story so i've really yeah. enjoyed that i also because i after voices from stalingrad needed something fluffy i <laughs> have picked up uh, very recently the barnes and noble by my house was going under and oh, they were liquidating right. their stock and everything was 40 percent off cool so you had fun. i did not come home empty-handed Mm-mm. uh this is one of my finds Ooh, that's got, pretty isn't it beautiful it's called papyrus the invention of books in the ancient world it's by irene vallejo that is not what i would call light and fluffy i books I mean, are for me. way lighter and fluffier than you know <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking you were gonna pick up something i don't know cozy mystery-ish yeah like a cozy <laughs> mystery not the invention of paper i mean so which is diabolical about the invention don't get me wrong fascinating stuff but information that's heavy. pretty light and fluffy though right. so anyway those are those are what i'm reading right now annie what about you i'm finishing the bridgerton novel that i started how are you liking it so far <laughs> <laughs> i don't ever need to face. read another one it's not a genre for me let me tell you that much not a genre for me i am constantly wanting to text my fellow book club members and quote the book and just say are you kidding me are you kidding me (laughs) but i don't have a problem with the writing i have a problem with just the whole how men (laughs) treated women and the ridiculousness of it like there's a duel are you kidding me there's a duel yeah sounds about right i know and his best friend 
that's my issue. It's not the writing. The writing is fine. I'm into the story. I don't have a problem with the story necessarily. I have a problem with just the setting, the characters. The setting, the time period, the woman's <laughs> virtuousness. And it's just really, are you kidding? Anyway, I'm finishing that. And then I'm also finishing The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. How are you cool. liking that? I've heard mixed reviews. Um, I like it. I just finished Malibu Rising and I liked that one better than this is one. Is that by the same author? It's by the same author, yes. Oh. And what I noticed is that she brings characters. The character from Malibu Rising, one of the big characters, has a cameo in The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, hmm. even though The Seven Husbands was written first. So she carries her characters throughout the books, which is kind of cool. That That's is. fun. It makes me want to go reread Daisy Jones and the Six and see what characters are in there. It's like Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. Because, again, they're written in, you know, five years earlier or ten years. And they're all over the place. But she continues right. her characters. And that's really cool. But I like it. I'll nice. be finishing it this week. Yeah. Fun. Okay. All right. Well, friends, thanks so much for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time when we discuss books that we pretend that we have read. Remember, you can connect with us. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> it is going to be so fun. I People just don't thinking, judge us. Don't judge I, us. <laughs> I just keep thinking of the of the the viral photo from Barnes and Noble, the of the the table of you know books that people pretend they've read. Oh yeah, and it's just like covered with books that people pretend that they've read to seem smart. I, I'm sure I'm just, ours are very similar. I'm sure. I'm excited to hear what we have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little it's nervous be good. to share. <laughs> uh, we will not judge each other. Nope, nope, nope. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. History is the study of all the world's crime. Voltaire. <laughs> <laughs>